Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the PH Nutrition Podcast. I hope you're having a wonderful day. I am here with Coach Luke and we are going to be going through a nutrition Q&A. So thank you so much for everybody that popped their questions onto Instagram. Um, we've, got some, we've got some really, really good ones today. So, Luki, how are you? Ready to get into this? Good, thank you, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really excited to dive into this. We've had some good questions come through. Some Hopefully, there's going to be a little bit of debate between us today mm. as well. I do love a little bit of a debate with you, especially Monday when morning. I win said debate. Oh, is it a competition, uh, is it? Let's see. Is it a competition? Everything's a competition. Okay. Right, Everything. Right, right. Well, let's, let's get into it's it. It's an incredibly unhealthy attitude. <laughs> this is how I actually have to get my son to do anything at the moment. To be like, we're going to race, insert someone, his sister, anyone, like to try and get him to do anything. Or we got to be first to do this. So yeah, I don't know if this is a bad thing. I'm just making him want to win every single thing that we do. But I wouldn't get your socks and shoes on and out the door in the morning if I didn't. So anyway healthy competition um good stuff right first question is from laura uh, is it barrigan uh, sorry laura for butchered your last name um, or instagram handle some people put down volume eating when it comes to a fat loss phase thoughts on it so i'm i'm guessing that this question kind of relates to uh, the amount of kind of volume of food that you should be eating when approaching a fat loss phase and my view on this is always that you should be eating as much food as possible and still see progress now as much food as possible does not necessarily mean as much energy as possible obviously when we come to a fat loss phase we're thinking about that wonderful phrase calorie deficit to elicit fat loss we're thinking about keeping protein nice and high uh, but what we want is for it to not be painful if you bring food volume down quite dramatically, that can have a huge impact on obviously your hunger and how easy it is for you to stick to this. If you take food volume up, but keep energy low, so using some nutrient dense, but low energy density foods, you know, your classic things like salads and all that kind of stuff, then it can make it a little bit easier to stick to, a little bit easier to adhere to. So I think that food volume should be as high as it can be and still sort of see that progress with regards to fat loss. Yeah. Liam, I don't know what your Completely. thoughts are. That. completely agree like I, I don't think many people would disagree with that and 
how to approach it from a practical like perspective, like Luke said, is you want to be eating as much as possible because then that mitigates hunger as, as best as possible. So that's the key thing that you need to focus on because if you're not having to use willpower all of the time to stop yourself from being hungry, snacking, etc., then more likely your compliance is going to be higher and then that's going to lead to a more successful fat loss phase. So, you know, this is where a lot of nutritionists would focus on protein, fiber, volume. So like these these things will be needed if you're going to, you know, like say manage your calories by eating a little bit more as opposed to eating very, very, very small portions of very high energy dense foods, which is okay, it's nice. I eat a chocolate bar that tastes nice, but I think there's a lot of comparison social media accounts, fitness chef or whatever, where they like, you know, there's a bowl of salad and it goes 400 calories and then a half of a donut, 400 calories, which would you rather eat? Obviously, you know, it's up to you depending on where you're at, but for fat loss and for helping you to be compliant with the diet, it's probably going to be a large bowl of something that is nice and, and filling. So that's where, like you said, we've got to try and get you to eat as much as possible. And that comes with a lot of micronutrients as well. I think we can sometimes focus on the macros and the more volume that you get means the more food that you're eating, which like Luke said there, salads. So you're looking at, you know, cucumbers, peppers, you know, uh, the tomatoes, like salad leaves, nice lean protein source, you know, some potatoes and potatoes or, or whatever, then that's a that can be a big plate of food, big bowl of food, but you're getting a lot of micronutrients in there as well as helping your hunger levels because we've got fiber, we've got protein, you know, and then that's for me is where we see a lot of success with with people kind of with their diets. If you eat small, small portions of energy dense foods, obviously you're finished eating quicker and your hunger levels are probably gonna be higher because it won't contain protein and fat. Protein and fiber. So Laura, I hope that helps. We, we I'm sure we the thing is with these, I'm like I wish Instagram had a bit more of like a better search thing. Like we got loads of posts like way back. So I'm going to just repurpose them really. But we've got some volume kind of foods posts on there actually. We'll probably just pop that on there. So it's uh, it's in the, uh, in the in the in the first kind of few posts on our on our grid. So I'll do that. So yeah, hope that helps. Cool. Next one, uh, Harrison underscore Sutton. Where to look for no BS nutrition advice? Well, Harrison, I'm hoping. That because you've popped a question onto our social media, um, that that you found that we provide no BS nutrition advice. So number one, pH nutrition and all the pH nutrition coaches. So uh, so yeah, thank you for 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 following and popping that on there. Luke, I'm just going to list a couple that I think, and then we'll get into it. Examine.com. Now I know a lot of people would would uh, coaches wise have used this, and obviously more so in the original days of looking for. Uh, comparison with supplements like what supplements work and you know like comparing like the the outcomes but they've written some amazing articles like incredible articles on like protein on like sleep on different things like vegetables fresh versus frozen food like go and look at their kind of articles their blogs like their bigger things i think there's some some incredible things that are written in a really really easy to digest and consume way so definitely check that one out Actual social media wise, like Lane Norton, I think obviously is, is quite good, like in terms of maybe calling people out, but he also breaks it down then and gives you like some more practical things. So I think, I think he would be quite someone that I would go to. And then podcast wise, I would go Barbell Shrugged. I think they've had some really cool people on, but like way back, like to kind of scroll back 
to to some of the things i definitely liked their podcasts a lot uh, in terms of providing some some good advice good discussion points like so scroll back to some earlier episodes uh, on that now lukey they're, they're just a few because there's there's a lot obviously in terms of what you know nutrition advice out there what's your what's your opinion where's your go-to buddy yeah, I mean, a load of those are the same. Like, I'm a huge fan of examine.com. I absolutely love it. I think someone else that I love that that is not as prolific nowadays, but used to post a fair amount, especially on YouTube as well, was Dr. Andy Galpin. Um, and what I loved about Dr. Andy Galpin was, like, he understood the concept so well that he was able to distill it down into loads of different kind of forms. So he used to do um, like these series called five minute physiology, 25 minute physiology, and then like a 60 minute physiology. So he'd take the same concepts and he'd do one video where he's like, cool, I'm going to explain the basics of fat loss in five minutes. Done. Now let's expand it out. And here let's look a little bit more 25 minutes, boom, done. And then the same for like 60, if you wanted to really kind of get into the weeds of it. So I love Andy, I think the ability um, for someone who understands something so well to be able to distill it into five minutes and get kind of the key points across. But then also, you know, that this man will expand it in the big ones as well. He truly understands kind of where he's coming from here, I think is fantastic. And obviously there you get all the context in as well. Uh, whereas with a lot of things on social media, the context is not always necessarily there as well. So I know there's there's kind of some examples that jump to mind. Uh, there's, there's obviously accounts like The Fitness Chef who is posting no BS nutrition advice, but a lot of the time he's just posting kind of like calorie swaps, this kind of stuff, this for that, that sort of thing, which is no, there's no BS there. And we all know the benefits of a calorie deficit. Obviously you hear James Smith BT screaming it into people's faces all the time. Um, but a lot of those remove context and can almost create too much of a reductionist view as well. So I think when you are looking for no BS nutrition advice, the people that we've mentioned uh, and kind of longer form content as well and potentially away from social media. And I know obviously that's a bit of a catch 22 because we post a lot on our social media and, and we try to educate through there as well but I think Liam you might agree with me on this that our goal is not for people to just use our social media as the be all and end all of nutrition advice right it's yeah. for them to get that little bit of value from it and then hey look here's where the real juicy stuff is here's where the context is here's where the applications are um to your individual life where you can individualize it whereas obviously on social media it's never going to be individualized it's always going to be really quick and snappy and there's going to be no context there as well. So that's just kind of my thoughts on that. Mate, we couldn't couldn't agree more. And we spoke off of it, off air on this. Is like you said, the 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 process is to find someone that you you know if you come if if it's social media and then look, Harrison hasn't said on Instagram, so it's like where to look. And you do for me, you need to look at longer form content. Like Luke said, that's a great point. You do need to look at the YouTube videos, podcasts, you know, longer articles. Uh, you know, get in, get on seminars with people, you know, they might have had on a membership area or something else like this. That's where you're going to find proper nutrition advice because it's impossible to, to do it on Instagram. Like it's genuinely impossible. Like I struggle to kind of figure out how to distill things down to first three seconds and then 30 seconds and 30 seconds in a clip. Like it's very challenging and it's, you know, it, it's one of them where you've got to, you've got to come away. You know, RP Strength on, on YouTube have incredible stuff. Dr. Mike Isatel has some incredible stuff. But you've got to commit 25, 30 minutes, do you know what I mean, per video. You've got to listen to it and follow it. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think Andy Galpin does a great job. And I think that's where podcasts are, I think, very, very good. 
like for a longer form put a bit of content and for nutrition advice so so yeah i i would check out those like it depends on what you're looking for as well andy galpin for muscle gain as well is wicked like he, he's amazing in terms of that same as rp strength uh, you know and, and then like you say just maybe give us a bit more context drop us a message on instagram again and just be like look what type because it's like nutrition advice in general is quite a hard thing to say because then now people are, are niching down more so it's like is it nutrition advice for fat loss for health for you know longevity for muscle gain for endurance performance crossfit performance like it's it, it, trying to get a little bit more specific will allow us to kind of direct you in a better way so um yeah check out a few of those guys uh, because there's some some wicked stuff and look there's tons we've missed out loads but again some of the good people using social media you know they just don't actually put a lot on there some pictures of their families or their dogs or whatever and actually it's them as a coach that we that we really value so uh, yeah it's it's one of those where give us a little bit more context and we could point you in the right direction cool next question uh, z underscore i very good question nitol does it affect sleep and sports performance now nitol for those that don't know is a sleep aid and like a what we would thought with a class as a natural sleep aid so it doesn't have anything like melatonin in or any other any other ingredient like that i didn't realize this when researching and Luke, we mentioned this off air, you didn't realize it as well. It's actually, it's an antihistamine and it's got, here we go. I've practiced this. I'm still going to get it wrong. Dip for henna wasn't too bad. That's the ingredient in nitol and basically an antihistamine. It just, it's, it makes you sleep or helps you to get to sleep by making you drowsy. Like and I didn't realize this. I thought, I thought it had something else in it. I actually didn't know what it had in it, but I didn't realize it was an antihistamine. So, the effect of antihistamines on sports performance and exercise performance. There isn't a ton of information out there, but I did find an incredible study, which I'll pop in the show notes from 2021, where they uh, they they did end, some people in the University of Copenhagen, um, shout out to Copenhagen, love that city, uh, formed a, uh, the antihistamines on exercise, long and sh- short term. So they had people, you know, on a bike, 40 minutes, two different occasions. They then, uh, like looked at their effect uh, like the exercise like effect and looked at loads of different things mitochondrial blood flow uh, lo- really 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 good uh, kind of well uh, thought out and planned study and what they actually found out was that you know over a what was it uh, over a 12 week period uh, they a six sorry six weeks training program where they exercise three times a week um where they split into two groups the group that took antihistamine had a lower peak power output at the end so like seven percent versus twelve percent they had a uh, kind of blunted effect in terms of like the adaptations to aerobic exercise so there was less mitochondria there was less you know like adaptations and there was also kind of like decreased blood flow so there was significant difference however the dose of the antihistamine was around seven times what you would get in nitol so unless you're going to be smashing the hell out of nitol for six weeks like i don't think you're gonna it's not even gonna touch the side all of the other research at the dose which is around 25 milligrams or 50 milligrams in nitol this was around 500 milligrams like upward up to 500 milligrams um so you, you're absolutely fine like you is not going to affect it it might affect it if you take it like at three o'clock in the morning, if you can't sleep, 
Like if you wake up and get back on bed, you take a nato to get back to sleep because the washout effects were around six to eight hours. Um, so you might feel drowsy in the morning, but if you take it in the evening before you go to bed and to help you to get to sleep, then there should be there's all of the research I could do. There was no ill effects on using this dose uh, of nitro and of antihistamines, general antihistamines at this dose. So I don't think it will affect exercise performance at all unless, you know, similarly to what we've kind of spoke about in terms of sweeteners and, and artificial sweeteners, like the dose in the research is so high that it's not a practical dose. So deriving information and practical applications on this is, you know, you can't just say like, oh, this is the bad thing about it. No, it's, it's not the case. Now, effect on sleep. I don't know, Luke, have you ever taken Nitol? I've not personally, no. No, neither have I. So, uh, yeah, I, I've never, never really struggled with getting to sleep. So, uh, and again, I think it comes back to if you are taking it, just trying to look at doing a bit of a sleep audit. You know, is it, is it your environment, you know, dark and cool? Are you winding down, trying to think about 45, 60 minutes before your sleep time, before you actually want to be asleep? What are you doing? You know, are you reading? Are you watching stressful things? Are you rushing around planning your work day? Are you, you know, cooking and eating really close to bedtime? You know, all of these things need to be kind of like tidied up um, before we would start to kind of like recommend these types of things. Now, obviously, if you're training in the evenings, again, you've got to be looking at, we've done a whole podcast on that. So go check eat nutrition for evening training. But before I would dump in, jump in on this, I would say like, look, try and, try and get your routine, yeah, your environment, kind of really nailed down and then then obviously then you can start to kind of use things like this but no effects on on exercise performance so all good there now last two questions we had a few kind of covering fasted training and fasting now i think people were getting not not confused but there's a a bit of they're not the same thing and i think people were getting a little bit kind of confused around asking questions on it so firstly they're not the same thing <laughs> fasted training doesn't mean that you're fasting and because you're doing a fasting doesn't mean that you always have to be training in a fasted state if you trained after lunch in the afternoon in the evening you know or if you you know switched it up and um, stopped eating at three o'clock and started eating at six o'clock in the morning like you could you could do it like in a, you can still train in a fed state, even if you are fasting, like it's the time, you know, fasting is basically, you know, any time that you're, you, you're preventing your body from, or you're stopping your body from eating from, I don't know, there's probably a cutoff, isn't there? Probably, you know, I mean, 12 hours isn't really classed as fasting. It's probably 14, 15, 16 hours, maybe people start to kind of class it or pigeonhole it as fasting, but there's a difference and people get confused with this. So different things. Now, a few people was like, what's the optimal way to kind of do fasted training? Like, is it bad for exercise performance? Luke, give us a bit of a rundown on this, buddy. Yeah, so fasted training, it's a useful tool in the toolbox, just the same as fasting, to be honest, but obviously for different contexts and using it for different things. Uh, the only kind of real way that I would use fasted training is um, primarily for endurance athletes, ultra-endurance athletes that want to improve their uh, flexibility essentially they want maybe want to do a little bit of kind of fat adapted training in a training phase so that they can improve their body's efficiency using fats as fuels at low intensity keyword there kind of being low intensity mm -hmm. again when we're doing fasted training uh, we 
probably we will get the most kind of benefit of it from that regard of of that metabolic flexibility uh, point of view of doing low intensity steady state stuff so that we can really kind of force our body to use the fats of fuel the thinking being um if we don't give it carbohydrates as a fuel it's going to turn to what we use obviously if you're training at higher intensities though even if fasted um if you're training at those high intensities because you can't necessarily pull in enough oxygen to use fats you're still gonna use carbs but you're gonna use the carb stores kind of thing as well so you're not gonna see the kind of potential benefits uh, from that kind of fat adaption that you're kind of pushing for that you're trying to gain there for sure and it's one of those where like i if if the focus is performance and if you're doing crossfit or any high intensity thing rarely would i recommend fasted training it's only one of those where i'd potentially recommend it to those kind of people who they're not going to train otherwise and if they're not going to train otherwise i'd make sure that their last feed before bed is a little bit higher in carbohydrates and maybe sort of shorten that window as well and you've got to make sure that obviously their post-workout nutrition is absolutely bob on Mm -hmm. too um yeah one of those where like for ultra endurance athletes for other kind of types of endurance sport as well uh, doing it within a training phase where the focus is to improve that kind of baseline and so that fat adaption phase then yeah happy days have at it but for most people i think faster training it's not worth it i agree i do agree um again guys we're not saying that you shouldn't like luke said like if you're not going to train because you really don't want to eat beforehand then or it's your only option, then do it. Like, it's not a problem. Like, but pe- you can do it. It's just not optimal. Like, you're not going to either get the benefits that you think you might from doing faster training if you're doing high-intensity stuff, or you're not going to be able to hit the levels to really see an improvement in your training because, like you say, you, you're not providing your body with the fuel to be able to keep keep performing well. can be done. You just We just find that it's not optimal for you say anything outside of that low and slow endurance stuff um, but again it's it's a tool in the toolbox like luke said again context goes back to that you've got to be using it at the correct times um, if you do feel heavy and sluggish and bloated in training you're like oh i can never train like with something in, in my stomach probably because you're eating too much you're eating too close to it you're in too much volume i did a, a a post on this so go to the reels it's, it's one of the top ones uh, and there's probably three four reasons why and if you get that right if you get the right type of you know, intake, the right type of food, liquid, whatever, at the right time, you will feel better. Okay, you probably just eating the wrong thing in the wrong amounts at the wrong time. So that will hopefully kind of put you in the right direction on that. Now, fasting, I said to you, Luke, off, off, off air, I was like, this is something that I feel is the go to at the moment for anyone wanting to lose weight. It seems like everybody that I want to lose a little bit of weight, I, oh, I, I'm going to fast, I'm going to do fasting. And I know it's been popular and been around. I just feel that it's come to the forefront even more again. Of It's just something, I don't, I don't know where it's come from, but a lot of people will kind of just jump to this as a bit of a default. I'm not against fasting. I've used it in the past myself. Uh, like I haven't done too many diets in my life, but I have used fasting. But again, it's just pushing back your window of eating. It's not some magical thing. It's just, you know, it works. Like if I'm going out for brunch, I don't need a breakfast at 7.30. If I'm going to eat brunch at 10 o'clock, so naturally i'm fasting because by the time i get my dinner it's breakfast it's half 10 and i stopped eating at eight so like all of a sudden then i fasted for 14 and a half hours so i don't think it's something that that you need to kind of overthink and i think now people to put too much pressure on it i think if you do it on certain days of the week certain times when it fits your lifestyle fits your work schedule then that's good like if you you know you could fast when you go into the office because instead of grabbing a 
you know, a massive pastry and huge latte in the morning, you know, from Greg's, you're going to save those calories because then you could fast until lunchtime. So that would be a, a, a way to use it. But when you're at home and you have control over your breakfast and you might train in the morning, then then eat breakfast. Again, you're saving your calories across the week by fasting on two or days or that you're in the office and maybe, at, at, you know, at the weekends. Use it as a tool. Don't think that you have to do it every single day. You know, it's something that you can kind of like, you know, pick and choose. However, if you do want to commit to it and use it every day, then don't go so aggressive, you know, and, and massively under eating your eating window or just do what some people have seen in terms of miss breakfast, but then overcompensate later in the day because they're so hungry. You know, you don't have, you can eat before 12 o'clock you know, on fasting. So you can bring it forward and, you know, have something a little bit earlier, but it's just a way of managing your calories. And if that works for you, then cracking stuff, but don't get too overwhelmed and put too much pressure on it. So yeah, it's something that we can implement, we can use on our more bespoke coaching on the six week program. So it's probably something that we don't advise uh, for people to, to be doing. So if you if you do want to follow fasting, then you can can check out the bespoke coaching that we have uh, or the one off consultations and we can we can set it up in the correct way for you. Uh, but yeah, reach out if you've got any questions on that. But last question, hitting protein on a plant based diet. Any tips? I do feel like we've covered this, but I, I got you know, I wanted to just iterate it. I think a lot of time now there's some really, really good options for meat substitutes. Uh, I think there's some incredible kind of products. Um, so have a little look around, find ones that you like. Don't base your whole diet on these. Uh, but I do think that they're very, very good at the moment. Uh, I think some excellent options, um, sausages, burgers, bean burgers, you know, meat, meat replacements. I, there's one that a lot of people don't know about. It's Lazy Vegan. If you go on, on their website, I think it's a cracking. they got like it's really easy meals that you can just pop in the uh, in the microwave or you can actually just cut out and stir fry mindful chef do some incredible kind of takeaway meals frozen meals some really really good recipes on there so go check them out um and then like you say you've got to be building your your, your diets around protein sources seitan tofu uh, tempeh these types of things plant-based yogurts um, so like alpro zero sugars things like this and then protein and carbs so we're looking at lentils black beans chickpeas you know, pulses, these types of things. If you can, if you can build your kind of first, you know, like your meal, when you, the first things you put on your plate around those two things, then you're going to be hitting your protein targets. Uh, what a lot of people do is let's say the first thing is carbohydrates on the plate uh, and then, you know, pasta and then this extras on. So I think if you can do that and build your meal with, with those types of things, I think it's good. Plant, uh, protein pastas as well. I think we've done a post on this. Some really good ones these days. Lentil pastas, pea pastas. Again, like they, they used to be a big stodgy mess and now I think they're a little bit better. So again, simple swaps with those will make a big difference. And then get, get a protein shake. Like I just think it's an easy win. Use it any time of the day as your snack for a little sweet something after lunch or have it in the evening after your dinner if you feel that you want that sweet, sweet craving. There's some incredible protein powders out there now. You know, have a little look around, buy the small packets, testers, figure one that you like, you know, and 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 get that. And, and don't be scared of using these. These are really, really good, you know, like, so that was how I would look at 
look at kind of structuring it. Uh, it's building a meal in the right way, utilizing those protein sources and protein carb sources, finding some meat substitutes and using a, using a shake. So yeah, good stuff. Lukey, fantastic Q&A. Thank you very much. Anything else that you want to cover, touch on, that you've been talking to clients with or we'll good? I think all good, all good from my side of things. Yeah, as you said, Liam, that was a really good one. Nice, some really good questions there. Cool, lovely stuff. So, look, thank you so much for the for for supporting the podcast. We we you know numbers keep growing every week. You better downloads. We really appreciate the support. Um, I know every single podcast um, asks you to do this, but even if you, if you like it, stick us five stars. You don't have to write a review. Be nice if you did. But I don't really mind. Little five star review or share it to your stories. You know, like figure out how did you find this podcast. You know, um, and try and do uh, do someone else a favour. You know, look for episodes. If someone's struggling, you know, pop them uh, pop them an episode or send them our way, uh, and we would really appreciate it to try and help share. Hopefully, you agree that no BS nutrition advice. So, thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 